Welcome into the QB Sco Show. This is episode 54, brought to you by the Five Folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And as always, here to talk with me about quarterbacks around the world. It's quarterback one in your hearts, in your dreams. He is Mark Schofield. Mark, the uh, the new mode for Call of Duty just dropped that warfare thing. Do you want to stop recording and uh, go get a couple rounds in? Maybe a, a quick nooner? I think a quick nooner might be in play here, although I do have to download the update for it. I've probably got like 122 gigabytes worth of <laughs> updates to apply to that game, so I'm going to have to hardwire it to the router to get it done quickly. and. Yeah. I think it's probably a, a good thing to do to prepare us for what may be coming. Mm. I mean, it does certainly seem like the world has ended around us. And I was all prepared. This is our first show since I was out in Indy for the Combine. And I was going to do a nice little historical tour of Indianapolis. I thought that would be nice. But I think given the world we are in right now, it's important to talk about the 1918 influenza pandemic, mm. okay? Because this was the most severe pandemic in recent history. It was caused by an H1N1 virus with genes of an avian origin. There is not, and this is from the CDC, there's no universal consensus regarding where the virus originated, but it did spread worldwide during 1918 and 1919. In the United States, it was first identified in military personnel in the spring of 1918. It is estimated that 500 million people or one third of the world's population became infected with the virus. The number of deaths was estimated to be about 50 million worldwide with 675,000 occurring in the U.S. alone. And the timeline for this is terrifying because in April of 1918, the first mention of influenza appears in April 5th weekly public health report. It informs officials of 18 severe cases and three deaths in Haskell, Kansas. Now that's April of 1918. By September, you're talking about a pandemic. So just a couple of months. Between September and November, a second wave of flu peaks in the U.S. It is highly fatal, responsible for most of the deaths attributed to the pandemic. By the end of September, there are more than 14,000 flu cases at Camp Devens. One quarter of the total camp resulted in 757 deaths. You're talking about Philadelphia hit hard with the pandemic flu virus. More than 500 corpses await burial. This is in October of 1918, somewhere more than a week. Cold storage plants are used as temporary morgues. A manufacturer of trolley cars donates 200 packing crates for use as coffins. Like, that's some dark stuff that the world was dealing with in 1918. Now, I'm saying this because I'm trying to get the people to calm down just a little bit, okay? You know, the other night I was watching John Oliver, and he was trying to, like, you know, outline how people should be feeling about the current coronavirus. And he said on a scale of licking subway poles and drinking bleach, like you should try to be somewhere in the middle, yeah. you know, like obviously wash your hands, you know, take care of yourself. If you don't feel well, stay home if you can. If you can't, that's a tough one, yeah. but try to take care of yourself the best you can. Luckily, you and I get to stay home all the time. Yeah. I can't go out and infect the world, which is a good thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, I work from home, which is great for me. But my wife works at a hospital, so anybody that comes in there that might be uh, feeling the little sniffles, she's kind of exposed to that, and then she's bringing that 
right home to me. Plus, you know, daycare is just daycare like a- and kids. It's a little <laughs> petri dish of germs and yeah. infestation with all those. Look, I love my children. Obviously, yeah. that's probably going to be the new tagline for the show. Our marriages are fine, and we love our children. <laughs> But they are little carrier monkeys. Yeah. They are little diseased carrier monkeys. And I will say this. My wife is well. Now, she doesn't work in a hospital. She's a lawyer. But she is also, and I joke and call her this all the time, she's a carrier monkey too. Like the three of them, my wife and my two kids, they never get sick for the most part. But I always get it. Like without fail. And and perhaps a great bit of foreshadowing, back in like November, I made a bulk purchase of hand sanitizer on Amazon. Oh, nice. I got like crates of the stuff delivered because I was like, look, I am always sick every winter, like multiple times. I can't do it anymore. So I've got the stuff everywhere, like in every room. I've been like a fanatic about like wash it and sanitize my hands all the time. Now that's looking like a bright move by me. Yeah. Because you can't find the stuff anymore. I went to a CVS yesterday for other things, just cleaned out. Can't find hand sanitizer anyway. Babes on Broad, though, shout out to them with the hand sanitizer recipe. Mm. So BGN Radio, helping the people, saving lives. Fantastic it. work by them. Yeah, I mean, we got to do everything our can. Our, our families are basically Mongols, right? And, and yeah. something you would ask me, like, what great figures like would survive this? I, and I immediately I immediately thought of the, uh, the 1346 siege of uh, Kaffa, which is now in uh, Crimea, modern-day Crimea. Where you know the Mongols under Genghis Khan were slinging plague-infested bodies and poop over the walls, so that that's basically what our family is doing to us. So shout right. out to them! <laughs> shout out to them. It was funny. We were going to potentially talk about historical figures that could have handled this better, yeah, you know, or well, and historical figures that might not have. And I think Genghis Khan was like immediately at the top of my list right. too, <laughs> yeah. like without question. Like that's the guy. He would know how to weaponize it for sure. Right. So all right. Now that that's out of the way and everyone's all cheery and, and hopeful. Seriously, happy Wednesday, people. <laughs> We're all going to die. Uh, you recently wrote a massive piece I for uh, USA Today's The Touchdown Wire. Congrats on the new gig, by the way. Couldn't be happier you, for you. Uh, this is a massive article detailing one must-have free agent for every team as we approach the legal tampering period that starts noon, March 16th. Now, Normally, this being an Eagles feed, we would talk about you plugging the uh, the Eagles with Byron Jones. I think that's been uh, covered ad nauseum on this feed as we approach this tampering period. And this is a QB show, a QB SCO show, in fact. So we're going to talk about quarterbacks today. And there were some interesting fits that, that I figured we could talk about on here. And uh, the first that stood out was Tom Brady to the Indianapolis Colts. Indeed. Mark... Where do we stand with the Brady saga and why are you running Brady out of town in New England? I'm definitively running Tom Brady out of town because he's washed it over the hill. (laughs) I'm not saying that, but I am saying this. I look at this from two perspectives. If I'm Tom Brady, how I win right now in the National Football League is with my mind. And so I need to go to a place if I am going to leave to New England. I still think – He ends up coming back. I'm starting to feel and we're starting to see reports that the market for Tom Brady out there in free agency might not be as strong as we originally thought it was going to be. But if I'm Brady and I'm thinking I want to go somewhere else, I want to go to a situation where there are a couple of things in place for me so I can step in and win right away. Like I don't have a window here. It's win now for me. And first and foremost, I want to go to an offense, a play style, a scheme that suits what I do best. And under Frank Reich, this has been a West Coast dominant offense that is predicated on yardage after the catch, that is predicated on the quarterback 
reading the defense, getting the ball out quickly, making the right decision with the football, getting the ball out on time, in rhythm, well-placed, so the receivers have a chance to get yardage after the catch. And I look at places like the Raiders and places like the Colts as systems where that would work. And so there's another aspect to this. If I'm Tom Brady, I've spent the past two decades playing in Foxborough in December, in January. I want to go to a place that's like nice and climate controlled and I can get eight games indoors in a dome and have some nice, you know, sterilized environments to play the game of football. And so that's why I sort of put Indianapolis in the mix. And then finally, and maybe this is doing some psychoanalysis that we, and certainly I am nowhere near qualified to do. But if I'm Tom Brady, the idea of going to Indianapolis where Peyton Manning played, where you had that great rivalry with Peyton Manning, the team that jump-started Deflategate. The idea of going there and perhaps winning the Super Bowl and perhaps beating New England along the way, <laughs> like that seems to me enticing. You might say, why would Brady do that? Well, let's remind the gentle listeners who Tom Brady is. I've said this before. I've joked about it before. If you get into an elevator with Tom Brady, depending on how many floors you're on, the elevator ride with him, you're probably going to hear from him that he was pick 199 in the draft, right? <laughs> and you might say, oh, that's overblown. What did he just name his film production company? <laughs> 199 Productions. Yeah. This is a guy with the ultimate chip on his shoulder. And so I'm sure that at some level, the idea of winning the Super Bowl in Peyton Manning's uniform in you know that Lucas Oil Stadium against perhaps Bill Belichick is enticing to him. Yeah. And you look at this. Say you drop Tom Brady into that offense. You know, and, and say at pick 13, now they don't have to go quarterback. You know, they could draft, they could double down at 13 and 34 with a wide receiver and another wide receiver. Mm. And suddenly you're looking at maybe a Henry Ruggs, a T.Y. Hilton, and a Denzel Mims. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady throwing to those guys next year. I like that. Are they that far away in the AFC South? I don't think so. I think the no. AFC South is wide open. Yeah. And Frank Reich is hell of a coach. Yeah, and, and, and so that's a path, I think, for Tom Brady. And that's why I think the Colts are sort of the ideal fit for him. Does it happen? I don't think so. You know, I was on with Matt Danley last night. Um, he does Stampede Cast, Colts podcast. We talked for an hour and everybody keeps thinking it's Philip Rivers out there. Mm. And everybody keeps thinking if Brady goes somewhere, it's Tennessee or the Raiders. I just think if you're Brady, go to Indianapolis. Play those eight home games in a dome. You know, win in Indy. Like, you, they, they have three top 45 picks. Our mutual friend John Ledyard recently dropped his battle plan for the Bucks on pewterreport.com. And one of his moves was to trade OJ Howard to the Colts, which would allow Frank Reich to continue to lean on 12 personnel sets that, you know, with Eric Ebron hitting the market. And I think that makes a lot of sense to pair with a guy yeah. like Brady. And understand, too, Brady's arm may be waning. He may be a tad washed, but Frank Reich has experience with this and did well crafting an offense suited to fit Andrew Luck as he was trying to regain strength in his shoulder. So this checks a lot of boxes for me. Conversely, Chris Ballard, his comments on Brady at the Combine were a bit tepid saying, quote, I'm not going to comment on Brady. Great career, though, unquote. And that's not exactly like the way you compliment perhaps the greatest of all time if you're trying to bring him into the building, right? Yeah, I mean, that – and I don't know if he's trying to avoid the whole tampering thing. Right. You know, because we, we've <laughs> we had some incidents where people at the Combine asked some questions that tried to get people in trouble. Yeah. There was a rather famous incident with obviously the Jeffrey Okuda, the sloppy question <laughs> – that same guy asked Howie Roseman if he was going to trade for Darius Slay. That's right. Like, first question out of the gate. I, I was 
I was standing like two feet from the guy. I was kind of stunned. And Howie handled it perfectly. He's like, are you trying to get me found guilty of tampering? Like, <laughs> I, it was just an incredible moment. But so maybe Ballard's trying to avoid that. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like Brady is in the mix for them. But I love, John, the idea of you acquire O.J. Howard as well. Yeah. But And you're right, Frank Reich, when Luck came back from his shoulder injury, you know, I remember the first game he played was against the Eagles. Mm. It was a rainy, poor weather day. And you thought, well, maybe it's just the elements where it seems like Luck can't throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield. But that's how they started that first half of the season, yeah. whether it was Luck's shoulder, worries about protecting him, a combination thereof, or the scheme generally. They were focusing on the short areas of the field and getting the ball out quickly. That's Tom Brady's game right now. Yeah. So I think it could fit, but in the end, I do think Brady comes back to Foxborough because I do think that the market, people are starting to realize like, look, you've got all these other quarterbacks out there in the potentially in free agency or via the draft. Yeah, he might be the greatest of all time, but you might have a two-year window at most and you're still talking about a 43-year-old quarterback. This is uncharted territory. Mm. We've seen the end, the cliff and all that stuff. If you give Tom Brady you know, 60 million guaranteed over the next two years and his arm falls off a cliff next September, then where are you? Right. Like who's the 2022 class? Yep. Like I'm not there yet. We'll be there soon, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I mean, like when Brett Favre was with the Jets and like the first half oh, of the yeah. season's looking great and then he tears something and he looks just awful for the rest of it and as an age thing and too, so. Peyton Manning as well. Yep. Like you get, and I know Tom Brady, the pliability and all that stuff. I'm a man, I'm 43, I'm seven months older than him. If I tweak an ankle, I'm down for three weeks. Like <laughs> the injuries and the recovery period from injuries, yeah. those are legitimate concerns with a quarterback of his age. Let's uh, let's move on to another guy here. Let, let's talk about the Chicago Bears and what they should do oh because you had it. You had a link that I really liked, and you said that they should wisely bring in some competition for Titch Mabrisky. Mediocre Mitch, Slumpy Mitch, whatever name you want to call him. Stumpy Mitch. <laughs> and that competition would come in the form of Marcus Mariota. And I got to tell you, yeah. I love this fit. I know they're a bit cash-strapped in Chicago right now and have other areas to fill. But if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything in the NFL. And I like the prospect of taking a swing on Mariota and trying to revive his career there in Chicago. It, it, it makes a ton of sense, Mark. You want to elaborate on that? What? Chicago is lacking right now from the quarterback position is somebody that can just check the boxes. You know, when, you know, we've talked on this show, the idea of a Baker versus a chef when it comes to the quarterback position, right? And the Bakers, the Kirk Cousins of the world, the guys that just, they will go step by step by step in the read progression and they'll just run, you know, run the recipe. They need that because Matt Nagy's dialing stuff up and Mitch just can't execute it on time and in rhythm. And yes, part of it is there's only so many ways you can dress up mirrored curl flat because that's all Mitch seems to handle right now. But even on those designs, the ball is coming out late and it's another offense that is predicated on yardage after the catch. And if you don't fulfill your end of the bargain of that equation as the quarterback and you're turning you know, cushion situations on a curl route into a contested catch situation because the ball is coming out late, the offense isn't going to work. And so they need somebody that can just check the boxes on a play-by-play -play basis. And I think that Mariota can do that for them. And 
in the write-up, I linked to a piece that the wise Eric Stoner wrote when Mariota was coming out, describing him as a task-oriented quarterback. Mm. Like He is somebody that will just go through the steps on a given play, and if the read is the curl to the sit to the flat, he will do that. That's what they need. Another guy, and this is not a free agent, but a rookie, is Jake Fromm. Mm. Like, I think Jake Fromm is not everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody's going to like Jake Fromm. Not every team is going to like Jake Fromm. But if you drop Jake Fromm or Marcus Mariota into Chicago right now, you probably have a better quarterback than what they're rolling with with Mitchell Trubisky. And I think Jake Fromm might have three teams where he could be a successful NFL quarterback. But in Chicago, for example, he could be an Alex Smith-type guy who's just going to get you what you need on offense, not get the defense behind the eight ball, and they could be good enough to contend in that division with a Fromm or with a Mariota. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think either of those would make sense for Chicago, which means they'll probably triple down on Mitch. If Mitch Trubisky went to contend with P.J. Walker in the XFL, who would land out? Who, who would come out on top? <laughs> he's having I, a he's look, having a great year. P.J. Walker is like <laughs> I, I'm starting to wonder when Walker gets a gig in the NFL. Right. Yeah. Like you look at some of the throws, the accuracy, the mobility in the pocket, the placement, the arm slots, the arm angles. Like that's all the stuff that we're now talking about when we evaluate quarterbacks. Like we, we've moved away from the can he read defenses? Can he run a pro style offense to the can he create? Can he throw off platform, off structure? Can he just read leverage? That's the stuff that PJ Walker's showing he can do at a high level. Yes, it's the XFL. But here's something to think about. You know, as GMs are starting to talk themselves into guys like Josh Allen and Jordan Love, mm. guys that come from lesser competition, the, seem, the, the thinking seems to be that, oh, well, yeah, he's playing with bad talent around him and he's struggling at times. But when he gets to us, we got great talent we can put around him. So they're going to be okay. They're, they're, they're going to be raised by the talent around them. I think that's a conversation you can make about P.J. Walker is, yeah, okay, it's the XFL. But when we get him into our team, when we get him to our system, he can excel. Yeah. And so that's something to think about as we start thinking about P.J. Walker getting into a camp, which I think he's earned by now. Yeah. Keep an eye out for P.J. Walker coming to the NFL to a city near you. When we XFL takes here, baby. <laughs> that's right. When we come back here on the QBS Go Show, we're going to take a look at some more free agent landing spots. That's coming up next right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the QB Sco Show, episode 54, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Mark Schofield. We are talking quarterback, free agent, landing spots, maybe some XFL talk as well. Let's travel to Carolina. 
Uh, you think in your piece for the touchdown wire that Matt Rule should add to the quarterback room there with Teddy Bridgewater, who, after missing the entire 2016 season after that horrific injury, has since revitalized his career in New Orleans, which included going 5-0 and as a starter last year, filling in for Drew Brees. He had a 67.9% completion rate, nine touchdowns, only two interceptions, 7.1 yards per attempt, and a quarterback rating of 99.1. And I really like the connection you make here because when I was pounding the table for Joe Brady from LSU – to the to be the next Eagles offensive coordinator back in December of last year, I noted that he did have NFL experience with the Saints coaching staff learning their passing in concepts. Now, he's the OC for the Panthers now and has worked with Bridgewater before in New Orleans, so we'll have a solid understanding of his game and how he fits within the structure of what he wants to do. So you don't need to sell me on the move, but looking big picture, why does it make sense for Carolina here? I mean, I think it makes sense for Carolina, even if they go in a number of different directions. Like, even if they decide to bring Cam Newton back, which I don't know if they're going to go down that road. Matt Rule has said the right things about Cam Newton. You're going to want a, a solid backup behind him. And are we convinced that that's Will Greer? I don't think so. I know they just brought back Kyle Allen on an extended deal, but are we convinced that that's Kyle Allen? I don't think so. So you're going to want somebody that can come in and step into the lineup if Newton goes down again. That's issue number one. Issue number two. Do they move on from Newton? Because if you look at the offense, we expect them to install this Joe Brady type offense that is, you know, primarily rooted in West Coast concepts. You've got some RPO stuff in there. You've got a lot of quick game stuff. You've got some air raid stuff mixed in there as well. You've got a lot of empty protection stuff. That's the reason for the rise of Burrow. I think 83% of their LSU yep. route concepts last year were five man schemes. That's going to expose your quarterback to hits. And, and so. Is Cam Newton the best fit for that? I think he's been at his best in more of a vertical-based passing offense, the North Turner stuff that they were running for the past couple of seasons. So the move to Brady might sort of signal that they're looking to get away from Cam Newton. And then if you are, who's going to run your offense? Greer? Allen? No. You want somebody else, somebody that's shown that that's an ideal system for them. And I think that gets you to Teddy Bridgewater. And it's more than just the connection between Bridgewater and Brady and their time together in New Orleans. It's the fact that if you look at what he was asked to do when he stepped in for Breeze, a lot of it was taking what the defense gave him, checkdowns, getting the running backs involved, quick throws, on time, in rhythm. Like you mentioned, what was his yards per attempt, like 7.1? Right. Like designed deep shots, sure, but most of the stuff was at or near the line of scrimmage. And that's going to be the offense that the Panthers are running. And so I look at that situation and I think Bridgewater might command a big-time deal. But if I'm the Panthers, I think he's an ideal fit for what we're doing. That's, you know, other guys might be Breeze or Brady in terms of the offense that they're running or, you know, Joe Burrow. I don't think you're getting to one to get Joe Burrow. Bridgewater could be that guy. Last one, Mark, because you sold me on Bridgewater there. Last one. One team you didn't give a quarterback that is certainly exploring every possibility that they can because they're not sold on their current situation, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, boy. We are going to have discourse. <laughs> they have a uh, decision to make about that position there. And I bring this up because I live near the Tampa Bay area, and I listen to their sports radio in the morning. And even just this morning, I I've heard a lot of talk of them from their callers about the pipe dream of not only Tom Brady, but also the probably more realistic possibility of Philip Rivers. So yep. let's stick with Rivers here because I think that's the more realistic option. Mark, you've recently researched uh, a piece and we were talking about the deep passing stats for Rivers from year to year and what we saw was a substantial drop off in his ability to push the ball downfield now 
an Arians vertical offense that was at the top of the league in average intended air yards last year. To me, Rivers is just a washed Jameis Winston. So I don't really think this is a match made in heaven, but where do you come down on all that? Yeah, I mean, when you look at his deep passing numbers last year, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was 12th amongst qualified passers, you know, 50% of the throws and adjusted completion percentage, you know, with an adjusted completion percentage of just 418 Five pick, five touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like the numbers were ugly. You also, when you sort of think about that Aryan style of offense, you're going to get pressured more, right? The route concepts take longer. So you're going to sort of face some heat in the pocket. Rivers struggled there as well. He was just 10th in adjusted completion percentage when he was under pressure. Again, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions, adjusted completion percentage of 65.3. Like those are average at best numbers, the deep passing. Even worse. I look back at 2018, okay? 2018, Rivers was great both deep passing and under pressure. Under pressure, he was the fifth best quarterback in the league, according to PFF, in 2018 with an adjusting completion percentage of 71.6 behind Cousins, Breeze, Mariota, and Ryan. And when it comes to deep passing, he was great there as well. Adjusted completion percentage in the deep game of 46.3, eighth in the league, an NFL quarterback rated of 90.7. And so he has it in him to be a deep passing quarterback. His entire career has been spent with the Chargers. Obviously, Coriel roots there. They've had some guys like Wilson Hunt and others that have come through with sort of a West Coast theme to it. But he really sort of cut his teeth under Schottenheimer, a ball-controlled vertical passing game. And I think if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're at 14 in this draft. You're not going to get a guy, unless somebody falls or you trade up, that I think is ready to start week one. You're just not. And so you need somebody that can be a bridge of some kind. How long that remains to be seen, whether it's a game, four games, six games, eight games. I think Rivers can do that for you for a short stretch of time. He doesn't need to give you 16. He doesn't need to give you the full slate. But I think he can come in and run this offense well enough, particularly when you think you've got Chris Godwin. You've got Michael Evans. Like, you've got guys that can help you out down the field. You might still have O.J. Howard. Who knows? You've got Cameron Brake. You've got some good tight ends. You can construct enough of an offense around Rivers where he could be carried to, you know, your bye week, and then you make the switch. And so I think from that perspective, Rivers makes sense. Mark, any other uh, free agent landing spots that you're looking at here before we hit legal, legal tapering? Or are those, those the main ones? Because we, we, I mean, we can get out of here and go uh, go hit the sticks if you want. We could get out of here and go hit the sticks. I mean, I I think the only other sort of quarterback situation to watch is, and this pains me to say it, but Andy Dalton. Mm. Like, and he's not necessarily a free agent, but, you know, you're going to have to trade for him. But you look at a potential trade to, say, a Chicago. I mean, I've, I've been spending more time than I care to admit trying to figure out the quarterback situation in Chicago. Mm. And maybe that just speaks volumes about where I am as a person, as a father, as a husband. My marriage is fine. (laughs) I love my kids. But I just, if I'm Ryan Pace, I am throwing everything I can at the quarterback position. I am trading for Dalton, signing Mariota, and drafting Jake Fromm and say, all right, we got four now. Now fight to the death and give me somebody that can win because you've got a window that's slamming shut. And you've also got to compensate for the fact that you traded up to draft Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. 
And, and so you've got to figure out this problem. You've got to get the best and the brightest. You've got to have everybody in there just thinking things up. You've got to have backup plans for your backup plans for your backup plan, which was the guy you traded up to draft it to. So, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're fired. You're done. Yeah. You're fired. You're done. You're going to be taking my job, which, I mean, I get it. That's the way the business is. But <laughs> – Life goes on. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Mark, thank you so much, brother. Uh, Any last words for the dental listeners before we get out of here? Have a massive shout out. The one and only Grace Man. Grace. She's doing some We Worked art for the QB Sco show. She sent me a mock-up. It's looking fantastic. I owe her some photos. Mike, I have to. I don't. I didn't want to spring this on you, but she asked for face-up photos of us. So I'm going to send her a photo of you and a photo of me. So I got some stuff from the senior bowl. So Grace, I owe you an email. I'm going to be sending you that stuff. I wanted to drop that on Mike, drop that anvil on his head live here on the show. But Grace, massive shout out to you. Please follow Grace on Twitter at hello at Grace Min Designs, I think is the Twitter at. But give her some love on Twitter. If you have a need for design work, follow her, hit her up. She does great stuff. Can't wait to see what she has in store for us. Grace is awesome. Big, yeah, big shout best. out to her. The Huge best. fan. Yeah. And listen, she read The Guns of August. Wow. And loved it. <laughs> like, we are out here. We, we got to start the QB Scotia Book Club. But she read it. Guns of August. She said she loved it. That, that, that warmed my heart more than anything else. So hit us up with your book suggestions, too. Why not? On Twitter. We'll have a discourse. We'll get this book club going. What else are we going to do in June? <laughs> exactly. That's going to do it for the QB Scotia episode 54. We will catch you next week once everything goes wild in free agency. We'll see you then.